And name! <laughs> of course. Oh boy. Oh my Most god. British welcome. That's so annoying. Um, I, 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 well, I knew he was going to do that. I'm, Dude, that's the reason why you wanted to host, so you could do that. I'm not sure sure what you're talking about. That was that was just uh, me starting the podcast, as, as I always have. But, um, <laughs> hello, and welcome to a very special, I might say, episode of It's All Filming Games. For a second there, I actually had to remind myself the name of our podcast. It's it's been so long, but I'm Corey Stillman. Alongside me is Sam Recalio, Samir Yelpergata, and Dane Holtz. Uh, that opening for uh, those in the know was a reference to uh, pretty much the reason that we've been absent because I am so crucial to this podcast. The reason that we've been <laughs> MIA for the past several wow. months uh, is because I've been overseas. I've been in uh, in the United Kingdom uh, pursuing my master's degree. And uh, it's just hard to line up, uh, you know, transatlantic like that. So uh, we hope to start bringing you guys more episodes in the months ahead. Uh, but we we're able to squeeze this one in as I am back in the States. And again, as a key cog to this entire enterprise, uh, it, it made it a lot easier to record with me here in, in Pennsylvania. Two minutes into recording, and I have now realized that we could have always done this podcast without Corey, and we would have been fine. And I'm like so upset so, right now that we waited this long what just to hear Corey pat himself on his back. Again, it's your loss. But I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I do want to say um, there's a one other reason that we are here today to, to record. There's one other special event that I think brought us back to recording this podcast, and that is the news that has taken the world by storm. I hope you guys have all seen this. The news that has taken all of the film world and perhaps the, all of the international community by storm. And that is that Kanye West and Julia Fox are dated. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I did yeah. see that. Isn't that insane? Yeah. When, did the, when was that announced? Yeah, this, no, this, this, this I broke, I think, just a couple hours ago. Uh, and, and the world is, is shook. I think every show has been interrupted for... For the news to speak on it, um, I think St- uh, CNN has a what's his name like Steve Kornacki or whatever who like, a- does like the Anderson Cooper is yeah. like somewhere. Yeah. I give it. It's, uh, it's... I give it and one more Kanye year West. until they remake Uncut Gems with with those Kanye West. <laughs> does Kanye West re- now? Here's the question: Does Kanye West replace Adam Sandler or does he replace <laughs> The Weeknd? Because he fits. <laughs> he replaces The Weeknd. He fits pretty naturally into The Weeknd role. I feel like you could like honestly, in some ways, I would believe. Like I didn't. I never thought of of The Weeknd. Uh, in such a way, I should have probably, but Kanye, I could see. Oh, he's it. such a fuck. Yeah, boy. yeah, but, well, but Kanye, I feel like slides in real well into into that that capacity. <laughs> so, what <laughs> my thinking is based on everything I understand about Julia Fox and her Instagram is that um, they're a really good match <laughs> because they're <laughs> both insane, and I think that would work well. Like, is Julia Fox kind of insane? Energy. Oh, dude, yes. Oh my God, did you not in know what, this? No, in what sense? I would love to know. Well, like, so she kind of came to prominence by hanging around in, like, underground, like, art communities, and then, like, everything she posts is just, like, her bathed in blood and stuff like that, and, like, her journal entries would be, like, when I was 12, I had, like, explored my sexual fantasies with cousins and shit, like, weird stuff. Oh, Oh, they're wow. perfect. Oh, okay. Well, who hasn't done <laughs> yeah, that? <right. laughs> Raise their hands. Honestly. Oh, come on. But, 
Yeah, she has a... Samir acting all high yeah. and mighty. Oh, yes. Sam, not surprised. Back in I thought, so she's, so oh, she's not like okay, Dane. She's not like... I thought. I don't know why I thought you were going to say she's like QAnon or some shit like that. Oh, no. No, I mean, uh, she's just like... That'd be cool. Yeah, that, that <laughs> would yeah. be cool. I mean, I I'm not ruling I that out. I wouldn't put it past I'm her. Really yeah. Well, we will... You know, this. I'll just tease this a little bit. This is not the last time tonight that we'll likely reference QAnon, uh, as I, I do think that, uh, there's... Uh, a, a very special member of, of the 2021 slate of films that um, is really just like a, a QAnon fan. He might be Q himself, honestly, for all we know. Um, and, and that's all I'll say. Sean Baker. Lin-Man Miranda. Yeah, Lin-Man Miranda is... <laughs> he's fucking like... like it's, it's like... The Tick-Tick Boom yeah. QAnon <laughs> links are just if too you, strong if you watch, to not talk if about. If you watch Tick-Tick Boom backwards and then fo- watch In the Heights backwards... And and then in Kanto backwards, if you do all three, it spells out a secret <laughs> code that I don't I, I can't say it live or else. Yeah, I don't I know. Actually, I don't know who's listening. Let's the I, FBI I just, get you. I just watched Tick Tick Boom, and I thought it was weird in the credits that Andrew Garfield was uh, listed as JFK <laughs> Jr. I that was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, this is the Andrew Garfield's getting all this Oscar buzz, but like that's gonna yeah. really lead to some complications, I think. Yeah, he's part of the deep state. Yeah. Yeah. God, what a specific style of joke. Like you'd have to have both watched a, a musical and then also been deep on your Q and on internet, yeah, we, internet conspiracies. We've, we've always John Nellian is cackling right now. <laughs> yeah, John. That essentially, that was a John Nellian yeah. joke. And it's not like we've always been known for our for our broad senses of humor. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't think we appeal to the masses in in any capacity. The only time we ever tried to appeal to the masses, we got absolutely roasted on Twitter. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was the last time we'd ever do yeah, that. Yeah. Well, what... I, I would like to say that Sam got roasted on Twitter. Yes, yeah. But it was kind yeah. of, we all got lumped into it. He, yeah. always, he always uses yeah. the, that we pronoun, and I just don't think yeah, that's, <laughs> that's accurate at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So, Corey, what are we doing tonight? Um. Well, you know, so uh, this is a film podcast, despite... Uh, our love for uh, conspiracy theories Q. and the Republican Party, uh, <laughs> and Julia Fox. But yes, and Julia and Julia Fox, who apparently is. So what's weird about her? She's a she's she fucks her cousins essentially, and is also a cannibal. That I that I, I, that, that I get that? No, I can't really describe it. Just do the research, and you will find it. Yeah, and so now here we are, 2022. Looking back at 2021. Mm. Uh, we're gonna give you guys our top five films of the year. Um, I think you know each of us. I think would admit that we all we still have some blind spots that well, we're gonna check off in the weeks ahead. But still, uh, I think we've all seen enough to offer our top five films uh, of last year. And uh, I gotta say, guys, like before we get into our specific rankings, I think we already had a brief debate about this before we started recording. But I actually thought this was a fantastic year for film. Like, like I actually thought twenty twenty one was one of the like like in 2019 i think will always stand out in our hearts as a really really special year because it gave us the uncut gems the the midsummer the parasite like some really really all-time greats uh as far as the last decade is concerned but if 2021 is any indication for this decade ahead i seriously think the this could be a great a great several years of film ahead i i saw so many movies i love this year i'm curious to hear your thoughts yo for real yeah like are we actually like? Is this like some pretentious film boy take that like people are saying? Because as we all know, I hey, the answer is yes. The audience, but it doesn't make it wrong. 
I, to catch the audience off, I uh, am now living off the grid in San Diego uh, in the past six months, and I have not seen any internet movie takes recently for the most part. And I will say this is my least favorite year from movies since like 2015. I feel strongly about two movies, and they were two movies that came out literally the last two weeks you think, of 2021. You think, you think last year was better than this year? Last year was better than this year. No, last year was bad too, actually. But I like both years weren't very good, but I think 2021 is not a good year for movies. I don't feel strongly about anything outside of my top two. I agree with you and disagree with you in the sense that I agreed with you pretty much up until like last <laughs> week. And, <laughs> <There's> <laughs> and, and just the way it was phrased was, was I'm gonna <laughs> spit out my drink, holy fuck. Um, no, I think you were, then, you were on. You were, you were making a good point. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even. It was just that, like, I guess in the past couple of days, I've just been thinking about some of the movies I actually did see this year, and then what qualifies a good movie year for me? It's typically, if there's like five or six movies I really like or fuck with, then that's a good year. And I think 2021 does have like five or six movies that I like. So I think for me, it's been a good. A mu- because in comparison to 2020, where really, I think there was one movie that I really liked, whereas in 2021, I can point to, like, maybe four or five. So, I don't know. Maybe it's because it follows a year like 2020, but I don't think it's all that bad. So, before we uh, jump into our, our, our film rankings, um, does anybody want to mention any films that they sort of don't suspect uh, will be on anyone's top five, but they kind of just want to give a shout out to the, as a film that they, they did enjoy this year, that, that just missed the cut? Uh, or, or anything of the sort. I I got a. That's a great question, Corey. Yeah, I got a couple honorable honorable mentions. Um, some that I just kind of had fun watching and I thought were great movies, but just didn't make my top five. Um, one of which that I was not expecting at all to enjoy, that actually came out very early this year, was J- Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, yeah. I, uh, you dork. I was I was a big fan of of that, and it really took me by surprise. Um, and another two other ones. I don't know if this one will be on Corey's top five, but uh, Matrix Resurrections I thought was a really really great film, and did a, yeah, a lot let's, of cool... uh, yeah. Let's let's <laughs> tag that. That's most definitely in that, uh... his top well, five. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, put a, I'll put a pin in that. Yeah. No, because I'm and... glad to hear it, Dan. For for me, um, some movies I really enjoy this year that uh, I don't think will come up tonight. You can tell me to to shut up if you plan on talking about it. Um, one of them was a movie that uh, a lot of people just hated, honestly, but I think was really fun, and uh, I just had a, like a jolly good time with. And that was old. M Night Shyamalan's old. Uh, I just thought it was. Yo, that movie sucked. Cool. No, and I and I know most people think that, and um, I get it. It's like if you weren't on board with Shyamalan before, you weren't going to be on board now. But I just thought it was like, a, like he's just a guy I'll always respect, um, and I thought this one was just like he just knows that he's just making like fun B movie shit, and I thought this was some fun B movie shit, you know. Uh, really, really enjoyed West Side Story. That one might be on some people. I don't know if anybody got a chance to see it in this group. That was the thing. Um, which anyone who knows me knows that I that's shocking for me to say because I despise movie musicals. Really, like outside of La La Land, I and it's a remake, every, which I. I was shocked yeah. that you gave it such a high review too. Yeah, like it, it really it doesn't have any of the ingredients of something I would like, but that's just a testament to Steven Spielberg. Uh he can take something like that and still make it great. Uh it was really, really enjoyable. Um and 
again, you can stop me if this is going to be on your top five, Dean, but Nightmare Alley uh, was a movie that I really, really, really I'm going to stop you on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll come <laughs> back up. All right, good. Wow, no, I'm, spoilers. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, because that was one that I, I really, really loved uh, as well. But I was lucky enough to spend some physical time, some real in-person time. Uh, that was a big emphasis on it was physical. physical. That's it it was, was very physical. physical. Sure, it, wasn't it, was it, was, it was It was. It was incredibly physical. It was, like, violently. So. I don't think of either of you two as, like, very handsy or oh touchy. it was oh, it was like, it was gross honestly it was like yeah it was like it. really intense it's <laughs> disgusting it's <laughs> corporal <laughs> body yeah. sensation yeah and <laughs> and gabby was in the theater like i we we gabby brought gabby along us. and gabby. and she was not involved in any of this like she just no. watched and she just watched you yeah two yeah time to make that it was it was again disgusting just it absolutely was... repulsive yeah <laughs> i can't emphasize this enough yeah. how heinous <laughs> Our display in the theater. <laughs> it was bad. somehow, somehow, amidst all that, I, we were also able to watch the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, mm. the latest, um, just one of the Cohen brothers, Joel Cohen. Uh, I was only one of yeah. them. Yeah. And um, again, this is another kind of movie that I may or may not always like, you know, like a Shakespeare adaptation, uh, you know, like just. Uh, like just like a small kind of film like that. Like I've seen Shakespeare adaptations that I've loved and some that I've absolutely despised. This is one that I love. Uh, I thought it like it. It was just definitely the most strikingly uh, uh, beautiful film I've seen this year. Um, just absolutely insane in terms of its cinematography and uh, a really fucking good Denzel Washington performance. Which you know that that usually goes without saying, but the way he's able to elevate some of this, this Shakespeare material and like make it so legible uh, is really really fucking cool. I really recommend the movie. Cool. Well, I can go next. Uh, I will say, like I've already said, I, this wasn't my favorite year for movies, but I think there are a couple movies that didn't make the cut that I think are definitely worth people's time. Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar being one of them. I thought this movie was absolutely hilarious. I loved it uh, too. Big, 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 big smile the entire time I watched this. Uh, and going through a list of just movies that Corey hates that I loved, uh, I thought In the Heights was great. Oh wow! Um, big fan of that movie. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Me too. Way more than I thought See, I would. Wait, me too. Me too. Um, I, if you felt positively about In the Heights, I think you'll really like West Side Story. Yeah, no, I I imagine I would. I just I just haven't gotten around yeah. to it. But definitely, we'll check it out. Um, quick shout out to Zola. Another quick dopamine hit of a movie. Yeah, uh, really fun. Saw that one to great, together. Great, great viewing experience. Yeah, we all. Yeah. Yeah, we all watched it together. That was yeah. fun. And then, except for Dane, except because Dane. we kicked him out yeah. of our... I wasn't he wasn't cool enough. And then the, <laughs> the final movie being Shiva Baby. Uh, this was right on the cuff. I thought this movie was incredible. Perfectly encapsulates like the anxiety of post-grad, which was a really relatable feeling in 2021. Um, amazing performance by Rachel Sennett. Uh, and my aunt Polly Draper, she gives a great performance in this as well. Shiva Baby was really um, good. I actually like, I I just kind of forgot about that one when I was going through some of my rankings, but um, that one deserves a, a shout out for sure. I don't know as far as honorable mentions go. Would, oh, so there was one that I think kind of silently evaded everyone's list, but I think it was definitely one of the better entries of the year of probably the last decade, even. <clears throat> Space Jam: A New Legacy. 
Um, <laughs> I, I was just blown I just knew away. that was fucking blowing I was like, what is he going to say? Blown away by this one from start to finish, um, which for me was a whole yeah, two minutes. Really... <laughs> um, <laughs> what can I say about this movie? God. I feel like there's been so much discourse around it. <laughs> um, All of which has been just heaps of praise <laughs> unanimously panned um but yeah i don't know i'm i'm ready to get started if you guys are let's no, yeah, do same. it but i agree with that. Except that was my number one that was my number one yeah. so now i feel like i have to like change it up a little bit and so you would also agree it's one of the better films of the decade oh if not millennium all right well with that Sam, why don't you give us... oh of course because lebron's better than mj too right like... yeah <laughs> that's true yeah. he didn't play plumbers or fucking electricians <laughs> um yeah sam kick us off give us your, us your uh your number five film 2021 number five film and i was honestly surprised that it did rank this high but in reflecting it the more i think about it the more i love it and that is the french dispatch mm. i i really love this movie man i thought this was wes anderson that is just like kind of his most kitschiest, but also like incredibly endearing. And he just has this the this way where you're watching the film and there's just like specific shots that like sear themselves into your brain and you'll like always remember, regardless if you even love the movie. Um and specifically in this film, it's the the final act, uh the one with the the cook's son being or the detective's son being kidnapped. Yeah where it's all black and white and then Cersei Ronan's uh, mouth is in color and for some reason like I lost like my ability to breathe I was like so like shocked at it and I just find that like a really cool and memorable way and overall it's just a it's just a really fun and like beautiful movie I really really liked it yeah no I, I love that this movie too it is not in my top five uh, but I definitely uh thought about it for a while um I would also agree. I think um, that the my final or the final segment in that movie is my favorite. Um, I just love the way it uses color, the way it uses animation, even. Um, and Jeffrey so Wright's cool. performance, I thought, and that was like was so good and like almost heartbreaking in a way that Wes Anderson movies um, do in this really sort of sneaky way, kind of like giving you that feeling that you just described. Like, like the movies are so quick, so dialogue heavy that honestly half the time you don't even know what the characters are fucking talking about and like yeah. you know sometimes you're laughing sometimes you're like just kind of smiling you're not even sure why then all of a sudden they could just like wallop you with with this sense of sorrow or this just this sense of like romance like a like, uh, sense of romance that you just weren't expecting and the french dispatch is that feeling over and over and over and over again especially because it's kind of this anthology where it just sort of keeps uh kind of re reigniting that that feeling um, I think that was people's complaint about the film was that they felt like they just didn't like the anthology thing. They thought it, it didn't have a more like kind of unified narrative. But I, if you like Wes Anderson, which you know I think most of us do, it's it's great because it's just like it's so indulgent. It's so like a director just being like, all right, now the studios gave me the money to make whatever the hell I want. I'm gonna do it. Um, which I, I think there were a couple movies in 2021 that were kind of like that. A director just being like, fuck it, like I'm just gonna do everything that. Uh, I'm known for whether people like it or not. So my number five is one that after I was done watching it, I was like, it was pretty good. And then the more I thought about it, the more it grew on me and the more I started to like it more. And that is the power mm. of the dog. Um, initially, 
uh, it was it sat like at a three and a half stars for me. But eventually, I started thinking about it. I thought more about the ending, and also just let like Benedict Cumberbatch's performance resonate more with me. And I was like, that was that was very solid. I thought it had a very impactful ending. I thought Kirsten Dunst was awesome in it. Um, and it was it's a it's a movie that I didn't think I would be so invested in in terms of just like what was happening like in terms of action um but yeah like kirsten dunce's side story of her being an alcoholic and the i guess very i don't how do i want to say this like benedict cumberbatch's character he can tell he's dealing with a lot and he does an excellent job at portraying that on screen without it being through dialogue and more so just how things are shot um, so I, I definitely think it's a movie that is strong because of the camera work and because of the performances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know, I know Corey has seen this one. I don't, Samir and Sam, have this you guys? This was one of the ones I really wanted to watch before the episode, but then I, um, I just didn't. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It does look good. Uh, yeah, I might not be quite as high on it as Dane, but, uh, he's totally right that Benedict Cumberbatch is fucking good in this, man. Like, he's like... His character's batshit crazy, and I've never really had seen Benedict Cumberbatch play that kind of character before, um, but he's really, really, really good in this. He's had a great year in, in, in general, I feel like. I mean, obviously, like, the, you know, he, his, he's a mainstay in the MCU, and he plays a really fun role in, uh, in, in No Way Home this year and whatnot, but he's also in a really good movie I watched called The, um, the Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne, you can find it on Amazon Prime, and it's, a, it's, like, it's crazy because I watched it right after watching The Power of the Dog, and it couldn't be a more opposite performance, but they're both like two of the best performances I've seen this year. Uh, um, he's just—he's an actor who I've always kind of, you know, just—I've enjoyed, but I'm not necessarily not sure I ever would have called Benedict Cumberbatch like a great, great actor. But I'm starting to rethink that. I think he's—he's he's, uh, delivered some really, really, really good performances as of late. And yeah, the power of the dog is a worth—I mean, yeah. it's worth it for a lot of reasons. I agree that it's really great at like revealing, uh, sort of like revealing and unraveling its mysteries. But Benedict Cumberbatch alone makes it worth uh, the price of admission. Yeah, and I will also shout out to Cody Smith McPhee. He was great in it; fits the awkward role uh, perfectly. Cody Smith McPhee, by the way, a proud member of the Hot Girlfriend Club. Ooh. I should, I should, I should expand that to <laughs> the Hot Girlfriend Club. Uh, you know, of guys who you wouldn't maybe expect to have a hot girlfriend. So like yeah, yeah I mean I would I'm definitely <laughs> in that. And maybe Samir, Samir, do you want to care to comment? I don't know what you what? <laughs> Are you a part of the hot girlfriend club? Unfortunately not. <laughs> I wish I was. But... Yeah, join the boat. But... Mezzan is. <sighs> Mezzan is though our friend. I was Mezzin. a former member of the yeah. hot girlfriend. No, but I don't club. think I don't think Mezzan's in the club that I'm describing because I think <laughs> He's someone who I would expect to have a hot girl. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dropped that yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Should we do a segment maybe every episode where we announce if a listener has joined the hot girlfriend club? Yeah, I like that. We, like, if, like, Will Gamble starts dating someone, yeah. we can make a big announcement. Yeah. Well, see, Will, I would um, describe as being in the yeah, same club as Yeah, but also, he should, he should already yeah, be Yeah, he's tall and adorable. It's embarrassing like, that yeah. he's... It's embarrassing he's not. Yeah. Honestly, that's, like, really embarrassing. Yeah. He yeah. loves anime. He's so hot. Love him. Yeah. And, I, you know, and Cody Smith McPhee, like, you're a very talented guy. I don't mean to take that away from you. Just, 
Your girlfriend's hotter than I would would have expected. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're just dating the smoke, bro. Yeah. You just gotta get. <laughs> um. All right, Samir. So you may not be in a hot girlfriend club, but you are a member of this podcast. So we unfortunately have to listen to your, wow. your number five. <laughs> you know what? Everyone says that's the next the next best. Yeah, I would, exactly. In fact, I would say I would much rather prefer to be a member of this podcast than be in the loser hot girlfriend club. That sounds like. <laughs> Such a waste of time that I wouldn't want to do that at all. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a pretty good life. It's a pretty good life. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so my number five was a movie that I enjoyed a lot. Um, the Green Knight, I would place my number five. Right. I, I really liked it. Um, start to finish, you know, just a very bold take, trippy, psychedelic take on... Um, a King Arthur story, and you know, casting my boy Dev Patel, love that he was great in it. He became um, an A two bore an A two four thirst trap fanboy. Finally, you know, because that he I, has to be I, in the yeah, hot girlfriend club. Like, There's I, no way Dev's not dating an absolute baddie. But, oh, yeah. yeah, but I would. He, he is. I would say at least. As attractive, oh, as totally, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, there's no way so he's the. I, ugly. I'm looking. He's yeah, no he's Cody never gonna be the ugly boyfriend. Yeah. Well, like, I, I just did look boyfriend. it up, and it looks like his girlfriend is in the hot boyfriend. Oh, no. Oh, Samir coming out with the Samir with the dog. Oh, Take that, Dev Patel's girlfriend. You ugly. <laughs> he's not actually. He's not. Pretty basic. <laughs> oh man alright I don't know well it's, I don't know it's, hey, it's, it's just my talking about the love lives <laughs> this, this has been part of my take <laughs> yeah this is like <laughs> but yeah we should be kind dare like there's like if you haven't seen this movie yet and you're horny listening to us talk about hot women uh, I would watch The Green Knight just to watch Alicia Vikander give an off-screen hand I can't, ima- <laughs> I can't imagine anyone being it's, less it's horny. It's an incredibly I horny movie. Less horny than listening to our <laughs> if, if anyone is rock hard right now, to us giggle, giggle like you do like the boys. You do like the Alana Haim boys from Licorice Pizza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I, I love this movie too, Samir. I love it so much. Um, that my hot girlfriend got me a Green Knight poster for uh, for my mm. birthday, um, and it's it's hanging up back in in, in my 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 London flat, mate. <laughs> that was more is... Australian. How the fuck that was? Um, yeah, love this movie as well. This is my number four, so that segues to to my pick. I yeah. agree, like just an absolutely well. Fuck you! I didn't get to like... say my number five, but hey, you do. You well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like <laughs> skipping you, but like might as well when we're at the movie. Yeah, I'll say this. Is, I'll like, say this is I... my number four as well. Is it? Yeah. Really? Wow! Look at us. I. Uh, I'll say it. it's on my list. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't. Yeah, okay, let's, well, let's keep maybe... that a little mystery, Dan. Yeah. Okay, let's keep it a mystery and wait. Wait. Yeah. To to go to okay. Corey's number five then. Yeah, and mine's one that we can uh we can get to later because I'm sure some of you will have it. Uh, very highly, uh, but mine is Red Rocket at number five, uh, a film that we've we touched on already briefly. Um, huge, huge fan of this film. Um, it has uh, a a amazing performance at its core, just like we said with um, Power of the Dog. Uh, Simon Rex in this, I think, is fantastic. 
Um, unfortunately, where I whereas I could imagine Benedict Cumberbatch getting an Oscar nom for that performance because it's very sort of Oscar. No, no way, Simon yeah. Rex. <laughs> yeah, Simon Rex. It's 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 the kind of performance which is a travesty. It really is because it's the best performance. It's, it's the best performance of the year, I mean, like, without yeah, a doubt. It really is. For it's sure. the best it's of the year. The best of the year, and uh, it, it's 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 such a good film. It really is, and, and um, I'm, there's a lot I want to say about it, but maybe we, we can save that to uh to whoever Later decides to, to rank this the highest. Um, which mm. I think I know who it would be, but I, I think it's probably me. I think it has oh. to be me, but okay. I fucking love this movie. It is so good, and it just like, oh, it's just the perfect movie. It's so good, man. This like the like my top two movies this year are so fucking good, and and this is well within my top two. Yeah, this movie, I have so much to say about it and i'm pretty confident i probably ranked it the highest but um all right then we'll we'll circle back we'll circle back yeah yes for now for now samir give us your your number four because we know so we know sam and i uh have, both have the green knight in this slot uh so we'll move it on over to you before we get back to red rocket at a later point so as Corey mentioned in our group me it wouldn't be a true podcast episode if i dropped in a movie that I don't think any of you have seen. Um, but you don't think I it's really on my really list of eighty-five films? I think I, yeah. I, I checked your list of eighty-five films five minutes ago to make sure, and it wasn't on. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> While he was eating, the movie is called uh, Wheel of Fortune. It was directed by Oh Wheel of by, Fortune and Fantasy. Yes, Wheel of That's, Fortune and Fantasy. Yeah. I heard. I heard that was good. It was yeah. really good. So I like my little brief anecdote with this is that um, my friend just found some random silk screen now i don't think it was a silk screen one but it was a film festival that was happening at Pitt, and like all these small time films were getting their like first ever releases at Pitt, literally in the um carnegie like art museum so i was like all right just i don't know like it's just gonna be some like kind of small film so we went and the movie that we saw was wheel of fortune and i was blown away by it because the intro the guy gave was that this guy is getting a lot of buzz for his other movie, Drive My Car, Ryusuke Yamaguchi. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know, like, I thought Drive My Car was just, like, going to be some movie. And then later on in the year, I was like, oh, shit, this guy's, like, a big deal. This movie's getting a lot of attention. Um, I haven't seen Drive My Car yet. I really, really, really want to because the Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy blew my mind. So the movie's essentially an anthology movie of three short stories about love and romance. And I seriously recommend it to anyone that's a fan of the before trilogy it's literally oh, fuck, oh my really? god it's literally like oh shit the energy of the before trilogy in a way that's so new and fresh and original and just like it's the best sort of thing that reminds you of another thing that doesn't feel like a ripoff or the same thing over again like it's so good it's so so good um there's so much more i can say about it but i yeah all right so this one is one that I kind of sat on. One, because I know that there's a couple movies I haven't seen that I feel like will be in my top five. But one that I do think we should talk about. And that is mm. Dune. I was wondering if anyone was going to put Dune I in almost top five. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, it was one of those ones where I, wa- I, I saw it the first time and I walked out and I thought, that is an incomplete movie. And... I then was like, I wonder if Fellowship of the Ring had this type of 
like critical reaction when that one came out. And I did see some things where it like some critics were very similar. It was like, it just feels like an incomplete movie. Obviously it's going to feel incomplete. It's a part one, but going back on it, um, how do you say his last name? I've always said, yeah, I think it, I've always said Villanueva, but I'm pretty sure it yeah. actually is Villanueva. I think it's Villanueva. Oh, I think, uh, Villanueva. For once, for once, Samir actually uh, is pronouncing something yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I hate Samir. I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just, I have to edit I... out Samir crying in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I So I saw it a second time, and I, after seeing it again, I was like, this movie is... It's definitely something special. And I, I think once we get the full story, it it's really going to be like a lot of people said, like the next Lord of the Rings, the next the Star Wars of our generation. Um one, the entire cast is gorgeous. Uh we're talking it about is a beautiful cast. Beautiful <laughs> yeah. people. Um Yeah, no one and, in the hot girlfriend or boyfriend club. They all deserve everyone they've ever fell in love yeah, with. It's, yeah, including me. Uh <laughs> They've fallen in love with me yeah. at any point. Tim but Tim. I think technically it is a incredible movie. Some of the best effects in in modern filmmaking. And the the story because I hadn't I had no idea what Dune was about. So seeing Dune for the first time, it was my first like emergence into the world. And having the background knowledge after seeing it one time and going in and seeing it seeing it again. Um, just understanding the world made, uh, or it allowed me to focus on the story beats a bit more, and I I enjoyed it much more the second time. So I I again really enjoyed it, and I think that this is certainly going to be a a trilogy or whatever they do with it. Um, that is going to continue to just really grab people's attention. I, I, I everything about well the score. I mean everything. I like I said like um. Story-wise, you can say what you will with it being incomplete, but I, I really... I had, like, kind of an opposite experience as you, Dane. I really liked Dune when I left the theaters. I thought it was the best blockbuster in, like, years. Like, like by far <laughs> the best blockbuster I'd seen in a really long time. I still, act, I still do genuinely believe it's one of the best that's come out in a really long time. But I feel like I'd be inconsistent with myself. And how much I hate just like stoic, unemoting characters to give Dune a pass. Like, do you not find these characters, do you find these characters interesting at all? Like, I really, there's not, like, Jason, like, they're all just kind of archetypes, aren't they? Like, that's kind of what I felt on reflecting. Visually, this is one of, like, the great achievements in the past, you know, 10 years in movies. It is gorgeous. It is so cool. Okay, it's, it's, it's got the best visual effects locked up, yeah, I think. Yeah, and it, it's never, yeah. There's never been an easier decision. And, it, and for good fucking reason. Yeah. Even know, with, they, there's, they been like, there, there's been, like, four, know. what, three or four Space Jam might give year, it a run for And they still won't get yeah. one, too. Yeah, effects. No, I, I what? Space Jam might give it a run for Space Jam 2. Space Jam 2 does some mind-blowing shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, so so I will say it is it is worth the price of admission one hundred percent, right? Like, and and in general, I have fond feelings for Dune. Um, I'm just not in love with it as much as others, and I really think I just don't resonate with the characters at all. Yeah, I'm I'm 
pretty much with you. Like, uh, but you're agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not, I'm, I'm not proud. I'm not proud. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I will say, like, I, I was very underwhelmed when I first saw Dune. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it uh, a, a second time. I, I actually uh, would be interested in that because for me, like, kind of like you, Dane, um, I had never been. Uh, Dane, by the way, just one letter off. From Dane. Like, that's Whoa. just that's Whoa. astounding. I actually, when Every, I when you I write that down, write that down. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I felt like it was a little overwhelming just from a narrative standpoint. Um, I think that's not Denis Villeneuve's fault. Um, it's it's no one's fault. It's uh, it's just like except for Frank Herbert, maybe the author of the original novel, because it's just I think such an ambitious novel. That for for decades now people have said is like impossible to adapt, and so I think considering mm-hmm. the circumstances, this is a pretty good adaptation. Um, but it, for me, I was just a little overwhelmed, honestly, watching it the first time uh, to the point where I couldn't really immerse myself anyway. Um, but it's still, again, visually just it's so impressive, uh, super like immersive cinematic experience. I mean, I didn't first time watching it. It wasn't the experience I had whenever I saw like. Mad Max Fury Road. Well, I, I walked out of the, the theater and was like, that my jaw dropped. Like, didn't even know what to say. It, it wasn't hmm. that impactful. See, that's a good but comparison. Still one, I think that's a good comparison yeah. in terms of like what this movie could have been for me. Yeah, it, it first time seeing it, it wasn't that impactful, but still walking out of it, I was like, that is, that's an achievement for sure. Like that, that's a lot of hard work went into that movie, and you can Upon definitely 16th tell. Sixteenth viewing. Samir, did you see it? Yeah, no, I, I I've seen it once, and um, I liked it. I saw it in IMAX. I had a large Coke and an extra large popcorn, two squirts of butter. Nice. Um, and yeah, <laughs> only only two, two for an extra. Yeah, large. I know. I had to stop. You know, heart. Some. Oh, uh, you need like no, you need like twenty two on that or whatever. Like you gotta be. <laughs> no, 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 I um, fuck. I don't. I don't care yeah, what, what that. You need I at least so. like that. That thing oh, needs to be substantial. Me, yeah. Some of that dialogue was getting dry. I needed the butter. And Samir, by the way, I, I want to say that Samir, um, you know, we, oh, right, I saw a movie yeah. with him yesterday, and Gabby and I opted to share a popcorn, uh, which S- Samir denied at every opportunity. He didn't take a single kernel. So what the fuck for such an extra, I don't know. he's an extra large two pumps of butter. He wouldn't take a single. Like I, begged, I begged the guy again, very physical very interaction. Physical. <laughs> I tried, I, I tried to I tried to I actually started down sobbing in the middle of the theater. I was going to say, Corey, like, I don't want cup, your popcorn. And he just refused to accept it. You, you <laughs> fed him like God. a mother yeah, bird. Exactly. Like, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 See? See, Dave and would have taken took it. the popcorn and he oh, yeah. poured it all over my face. And I started sobbing profusely. Very physical. Yeah. yeah. It was... It's the yeah. third time you guys have been kicked out of the theater in the past four hours. It was really bad. Um... But yeah, yeah, no, I like Dune. I watched it. Just like Joe Cohn intended. <laughs> and I respect like the movie's visual splendor. I thought it was magnificent. Um, you know, with the idea of it being a sci-fi blockbuster and like it being the first installation, I can expect exposition and like the first, I guess, like 45 minutes to an hour are very exposition-y, which I'm willing to give it kind of a pass in. And like, the, I, I honestly think the movie really gets into the splendor and like where it really caught my attention was during the second half. But like, I don't know. Like I, I agree with all of you guys and that I didn't walk out of it being like, wow, that was amazing or anything. Like I respect the hard work that went into it, but like it didn't blow my mind. Like I am so sure if I would have watched the first Lord of the Rings in theaters, 
I would have been blown away. And I don't think Dune did that for me personally. I guess I'll turn it over to you, Sam, because I have no other choice. Yes. Go ahead. So I honestly didn't know. I might be the only one who has it this high, especially still. But in light of the best episode we ever recorded by far was the Mitchells versus the Machines episode. (laughs) <laughs> and the more I think about it, the more I love this movie. I think the Mitchells versus the Machines is just like the perfect rainy time, like family movie. It's so colorful. It's so funny. It's got great heart. You know, it's got a lot going for it. And I just think uh, it's fantastic. And and this was by far my favorite animated movie that came out this year. So, um yeah, I'll bounce off you, Sam. Uh, I also was a massive fan of this movie, and I debated debated putting it in my top five. Um, I've seen a handful of the animated movies this year, but by far um, none have stuck with me like Mitchell's versus the Machines. I watched it to, for the podcast, and then I watched it with my family. So it, it was just a wholesome experience. It's hilarious. And after watching it, too, I'm like, I think, Christopher Miller and Phil Lord might be like the rising oh, uh, names in animation. Man. They might be like they might be kicking Pixar yeah, like out the, of here pretty who soon. Are, who were the um, duo at Pixar when they went on that huge streak? It was Angela like, John yeah, Adam, Adam, or Adam or Andrew Stanton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm correct, yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm with you guys on hundred percent. Uh First on the fact that that was by far our best episode. If you want to get more of our thoughts and uh, <laughs> some of our, some, <laughs> I guess, kind of our thoughts. If you want to know more about yeah. us. Oh, about us, yeah. Uh, head back and listen but to But don't have any gripes the about it. Machine. <laughs> <laughs> but, Inside um, jokes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 100% with you that this is, uh, I, I mean, I, so I haven't seen uh, Encanto yet. I'm, I'm curious to see that. Um, but I don't really expect Mitchell's, or I don't expect it to surpass the Mitchell's versus Machines in in my personal animation rankings. Um, it's a film that I really hope gets its its recognition and gets its due, um, because I do feel like Disney just sort of, sort of dominates these conversations about animation. Yeah. Um, but this movie is just so 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 good, so smart, so funny, and uh, like you both sort of alluded to, like just meant for the family in a way that yes, Disney movies certainly are, but this really felt like it was. Not just there to entertain your family, but to honestly like facilitate some conversation amongst your family and just some reflection. Like, um, just a really smart and uh, it's really really clever movie. A lot in in both comedically yeah. and thematically. Agreed. I'll I'll say this real quick. I actually just watched uh, Encanto right before recording, and both Mitchell's versus the Machines and Encanto are very thematically similar both have a lot to do with like family um but i'll give it to mitchell's versus machines it does a much better way at addressing i guess family of the modern era and how um uh, 2021 family with technology and everything uh what what they're going through um not to say that uh, encanto wasn't a good movie i i enjoyed it um but this kind of goes with Disney animation. I was watching it and I was like, this is a very pretty movie. But after like Frozen and Moana, like 
they haven't done anything different. It's the same, very much same animation style, same character models. And I'm like, there's, there's none of that flair in this movie that Mitchell's and machines had where it was like, you just popped an Adderall and we're like, I'm going to sit down and <laughs> yeah. watch this movie with my, with my Dude, family. All right, Samir, give us your number three film of 2021. My number three film is a movie that, um, you know, just rocked my world completely. Just, you know, um, I think it might be Corey's number Space three, Jam too. too. <laughs> Space Jam 2, yeah. Um, but I think it might be Corey's number three, too. And that movie is Titan. Um, it won the... Yes. Uh, it is it indeed is my best. number three. So it, it won the Best Picture at the Cannes Film Festival. And that's all I really knew about this movie going into it. It's so hard. So I take it that Dane and Sam, you guys haven't seen it, right? So no. I, so much of this movie is, no. is just, you just got to watch it. Like, there's no way to explain it. So it's yeah. hard for me to dance around um, the discussion of this movie. But I am going to talk about what I think that I respect and admire about it. That won't, I don't think, um, will take away anything from the movie. But it's so bold. It's so original. Um, and it's so viscerally raw that you'll sit down and from the moment that you sit down and hit play, this movie is on. I mean, like it's on <laughs> until the very last frame. Like, and I love movies like that where there's not like a moment of lull or lag. Like the mo- the movie definitely has moments of quietude and reflection, but those they don't feel like moments where you're out of what's happening in the screen. You start titan and you're just like oh my god i'm in for the ride until this movie's over and it sort of brings you into the world and does not let you go whether you want to leave or not so like you're in it yeah 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 samir hit it on the head and like i agree that it's uh it's really not one that i want to talk about too much because i really want anyone listening who hasn't seen it to experience it as as clear mind as possible um (laughs) I'll just I'll just say that I, when I first watched this film, I couldn't. I said to myself, "There's no way anything tops this for the rest of the year," which just speaks to how highly I think of the next two films uh, on my my top five. But yeah, I mean, like this film is like fucking good. Like it is, it's insane. Like it, it's it's uh it, it it will and and if you don't like it, which is honestly very understandable in a lot of ways, um, I can guarantee you that it will get a very oh, strong yeah, reaction sure. out of you, which to me is like all you can ask a a, a movie to do. And I, I, I'll tell an abridged version of this story really quick, because I know I texted you guys after I, I watched the movie, but uh, this is the, the first movie that, uh, this, this movie really led to the first ever fight between me and my, uh, the, the <laughs> aforementioned hot, girl, hot, girlfriend. hot girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like we, so we were, um, so my girlfriend, like I said, I'm studying in the UK, but Gabby, she's studying in Amsterdam. And so we were staying in Amsterdam like at the time. Like I said, is hot. <laughs> That's yeah. say, very hot <laughs> very hot um so um in amsterdam you know obviously uh weed is legal and so we we ate edibles before seeing this movie and honestly i knew nothing about the movie going in i was just like oh it won the palm d'Or at con like i'm sure it's gonna be you know like some sort of like art house type film i i didn't know it was body horror at all um i didn't know the plot really anything about it i just was like oh like i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing this uh and I, I, I dragged Gabby to the wrong movie, especially considering how big we were watching this thing. She was begging me to leave the entire time because she was so repulsed and so <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, which, like, me being, like, the asshole that I am, like, 
only made me love it more because I just thought it was so like I was so fascinated by that, you know, that like a movie could get such a strong reaction out of someone. Um, so I just wanted to to stay a because I was really immersed and like just so blown away by it. Um, but also just like really sort of intrigued by Gabby's whole reaction to it. She's gonna kill me when she hears me say this because like it's generally like, I think I think she still has like some light trauma honestly from from this movie. That's how much uh, she hated it. Um, but it's like yeah, it, it is that kind of movie. Like it is that kind of like it will get a reaction out of you. Uh, and I speak from experience. Um, really, really fucking Yeah, good like, we've been saying body horror. And, <laughs> and I have a hot girlfriend. <laughs> the one thing I'll say is that for, for this movie, like, yes, it's it's an amazing body horror. But it's like 10 other things. <laughs> it's like, it's like. Yeah, that's a really like good point. a layering of, like, body horror and emotional drama. And, like, there's so much going on that, like, it would even be a disservice to even talk about the other layers. But. There's just so much more going on there. It's amazing. So, Dan, give us your uh, number three film and close us out for the threes. All right. So, I'm expecting an eye roll here from Elite. I Blockbuster. know what it is. Um, but I would be ashamed if I did not put this on my list. But my number three is Spider Man No Way Home. Um, I'm honestly surprised it's only I mean, a three. Yeah, I honestly, I thought it might yeah, be number well, one. I would have put it up there, but I feel like... No, don't let us know, affect you, dude. If it was I your favorite, to, it's your favorite. Well, I, 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 I'll say this. Um, I've seen it a few times now, and I think the, the pure spectacle of it, what it pulls off, especially in its, its back half, is um, awesome. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil it right now in case people haven't seen it who are listening, but um, there's a death in the movie and pretty much from like 20 minutes before that death, like a half, maybe a little bit more before that death until the end of the movie, I was just like, this is awesome. I think they, they really did a great job at, um, making this an emotional story. And yes, there are two cameos <laughs> in it. Which, fuck it. Spoiler alert. Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in the movie. Um, and I will say they are supporting characters in the movie, which I was overjoyed about. I, I knew if it was just going to be a cameo, I would have been very disappointed in that and would have just been lazy on the, the filmmakers parts. Um, but I do think there are, for me, there are things in the, in the first half of the movie that I, I just don't think work, um, things I wish they would have done more, um, and it just it feels rushed. You don't necessarily even remember some of the parts in the first half of the movie. I know Corey will have some stuff to say about that. Um, particular, particularly, uh, one thing that seeing it for the first time that I, I was like, oh, that's awesome. But then resonating with it was um, Charlie Cox's Daredevil is in it. And I was like, okay, he, he is just shoehorned in there. Um, I think they could have done gone a better route with it instead of just making it a cameo. Yeah, it's a shame because my theater the identity more. Yeah, like I, I don't know if your theater was the same way, but my theater erupted into applause when he showed up, and it was it yeah. did feel cool. I was like, wow, like, these are the kind of cool moments the MCU can manufacture. But yeah, I literally, you know, to your point, I forgot that had it happened by the time I left the theater. Yeah, because it was really so yeah, relevant. My theater erupted whenever John C. Yeah. Riley showed up as Frankenstein in No Way Home. <laughs> yeah but you know with with spider-man uh 
I'm I'm a Marvel fan. I do understand a lot of the the issues with the MCU for sure. Um, but I do think they pulled off something special with the back half of the movie. Um, and not to mention, I had my ego boosted oh, incredibly yeah. after my first viewing. Um, this so I'm sitting in the theater. Movie ends. I'm like a hot mess. I'm crying. I'm like, that was awesome. I'm so filled with emotion. Um, I just want to talk to my friends about it. And there's this girl sitting to my right. And she she taps me on the shoulder. And she leans over and says, you look like Peter Parker. Can mm-hmm. I have your Snapchat? And I was like, that is the best thing anyone could ever <laughs> I was like, boy, are you going to be disappointed? But I'm just going gonna to let this go. And I, I was on such a high for so many reasons whenever I was walking out of the theater. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. Jane left I, the theater I, I, as a I, member of the Hot Girlfriend mm, Club. The one, the yeah. one and only time yeah, that he was ever the member. <laughs> Okay, so I am curious about that about that compliment because it's is that to imply that you look like Tom Holland, that you look like a fourth member of the the Spider Man multiverse, or that you look like yeah, you know, yeah right, Andrew honestly, Garfield, like, like which one, which Peter? You still, yeah, yeah I, I really don't know. I, theoretically, is, as as far as the multiverse is concerned, everyone, all of us could yeah. look like Peter Parker. There could be a, a universe in which we is are she Peter some Parker. MCU shill yeah. just <laughs> being like, remember, the real superhero is what's inside. <laughs> it would have been much better if the girl looked at you and she's like, you look like Miles Morales. Then you would have been like, all right, here's my here's my social security number and my credit card number and my Snapchat and my Instagram. Yeah, it would have been like... Uh, I don't think you've seen the movie. Uh, yeah. I was like, let the, light, <laughs> let the lights turn on first and then... Yeah. Well, that the is kind of because <laughs> that is like kind of my my thing about uh, No Way Home, though, and and I, and I did have a lot of fun with it, and I I don't want to really shit on the movie because I actually think it's it's pretty good as far as uh, uh Spider Man, you know, uh, as far as MCU films have been concerned in 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 recent years, but it just felt like especially well, I think about a movie like Into the Spider Verse, right? Um, you know, which did try to do something somewhat similar, obviously. And I just feel like that movie kind of captured the magic of this whole multiverse concept in a way that No Way Home doesn't quite do. I think the MCU, because it's always trying to give, kind of lean into fan service a little bit more, has to always sort of uh, uh, explain itself a little bit in a way that Into the Spider-Verse could, was just like... It, I mean, it, it's, it's obviously it's a special movie for other reasons. Like, it has some incredible animation and, and whatnot. Again, you know, Lord, Lord and, and, uh, and Miller. But, um... I just felt like that, like, when I compare the two, No Way Home didn't quite have, like, that, that magic that I was looking for from a concept like that. I debated on if I actually, if I wanted to put No Way Home or Shang-Chi in my top five. I think, for me, like I said, the back half of No Way Home is something that is just, as a Marvel fan, as a Spider-Man fan, is just something special. And I think they, they pulled it off very well. Um, I do think as a movie on as its whole from start to finish i i personally think like shang chi is a better um is a better all-in-one package of a movie one it also just has some of the most original visuals in any of the mcu the best like i really like uh tony leong as the mandarin i thought he was awesome so yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but that's that's my MCU take. We can move on. <laughs> Please and no, see, this thank why, you. This, this is why Dane is my favorite kind of MCU fan, though, is because like he loves it and has his passion for it the way that any fan of anything should. But you don't like you don't like what frustrates me about so many MCU fans is that they it's not enough for them. It's not enough to dominate the global box office and be like synonymous with film itself. They also need to feel like their films need to be nominated for awards and like like they need that like legitimization. Yeah, and it's like, like yo, like you're already like you are you are the you are film film basically. You are the film. Where is yeah. No Way yeah. Home's um can debut? Where's, Criterion. Co- where's the Criterion Where's the Grand Prix <laughs> yeah, Award? The where's the Commodore for for Eternals? Yeah, dude. Like <laughs> many listeners, and maybe members of the podcast will disagree with me. I think that's a perfect segue into my number two film because I, I think these two films should be in conversation with each other no way home and, and my number two film and that <laughs> is the matrix resurrection oh. number two this, yeah it's the second best absolutely. movie you watched um, this year absolutely absolutely so i i know samir and sam have, have you guys no. seen it have you the guys Disney seen Board. i haven't seen Matrix. Yo, I haven't actually seen the okay. Matrix ever. Wow. You've ne- oh my. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't okay, believe how many. Sam. I met so many people that that hadn't seen the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, like, okay. Yeah, this is this you, is you, my, you, oh, you, big... you've all been hiding, and I think you had to reveal yourselves in recent months. This is my biggest Sam. like blind spot. I'm pretty sure well, at, the, at the moment. I'm gonna say something, and it actually perfectly envelops what the Matrix Resurrections is about. You need to see The Matrix because it changed action blockbusters and blockbusters and cinema in general oh, yeah, no. mm-hmm. it, for the 21st century, which honestly is at the crux of what, like, my my take of being like, all oh, The Matrix is this high and mighty franchise, like, they should just keep doing what they want with it, I feel like is the entire point of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I know... That's that's why I enjoyed it, and I you know that's exactly why Corey enjoyed it. But I, before I give my full thoughts on it, Corey, go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, you hit it right in the head, Dan. Like I, I thought this was such a genius blockbuster, and I almost would call it like an anti-blockbuster, even though it operates like one, and it and it is one, like in just in terms of you know obviously why it was made. Um, it's 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 looking at a film like No Way Home and just basically saying like fuck you to your like exploit, like and again, like, I. I I enjoyed No Way Home. I felt I enjoyed the nostalgic bits because I was nostalgic for to- seeing Tobey Maguire on screen and whatnot. But Matrix Resurrections is really interested in this idea of nostalgia and 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 basically like saying to us like 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 it's like Lana Wachowski may have come back to make to made this film, but she's like she's like like you know I'm not going to give you what you want. Like I'm I'm here to make the fourth film in this trilogy, but I'm not doing this for fan service. In fact, I'm sort of saying like. To, to all the different fans who have, you know, obviously the, the idea of the Matrix has ingrained itself so deeply into our culture. Like, the red pill. Like, you know, that, yeah, that's whole, the whole like, the red pill thing and um, the way it's been, like, appropriated. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the way it's been appropriated into, into, into uh, politics. And, um, you know, Dane mentioned, like, the way it just, the movie itself changed other action films with bullet time and, um, and, and like, the use of, like, martial arts and whatnot. Like, all of that so influential in, in so many ways and the matrix again like I, I really don't want to say too much especially for someone who hasn't even seen any of the matrix films but the yeah, resurrections is re- i mean it's really just like it's it's i think i just found it really really interesting the way it's sort of trying to um reflect on its own legacy 
and kind of um, ask whether or not it it was is like it wanted such a legacy, like if it wanted to be it's interpreted and appropriated in all these different ways. Um, it gets really really meta, and I can totally see why some people found that maybe a little corny for that reason. Um, but I just really respect. I'll respect any director. I said this to Samir too, and I think in a different context, but I'll respect any director who just has a, a vision. Like if a movie is a true vision, even if it, if it doesn't come together, um, I'll still at least respect it. Fortunately, I think made the Matrix, Matrix Resurrections really, really, really comes together. And it's like Dane said about it, like, you know, Matt Reeves, the Batman and the Dark Knight did this. You can just tell when a movie is just a director's vision through and through and through. Um, and that's how I felt about the Matrix Resurrections. Um, so Sam, I'll go to you. Give us your number two. So my number two was actually, uh, coincidentally enough, at my favorite theater uh, in the world, which is the Del Mar Theater in downtown Santa Cruz. Uh, if you guys ever go, it is a beautiful old town theater. I was the only person sitting in the theater for this movie, which was Sean oh. Baker's Red Rocket. Um, I don't know how far I should go into this because I'm kind of expecting Samir as this maybe his number one so maybe we can wait to do like a full full complete discussion till that end yeah i will just say um simon rex gave the best performance of the year in this movie um and i will say the it is the best final shot of a movie that i have seen in like like a really long time like it is yeah that final shot is Sean Baker, he knows how to end his movie. Dude, he knows how to end his movie so well, man. And the fact that it's like an ode to Lawrence of Arabia, like the final, like the final look he gives, kind of like the, like the. I mean, maybe that's just me reading it, but it's like kind of the who are. Yeah, it's probably just you. Yeah, but it's kind of like the who are you? (laughs) You know how they end Lawrence of Arabia with the who are you? That's kind of how the movie ends in Red Rocket with a who are you to Simon Rex's character. And oh. and the just the amount of emotions he displays on his face at the very last moment. What more can you say, man? Just I I gave two five stars this year. This is one of them. Incredible. It's uh, and if it weren't for what I think uh, is Corey and Ari number one, uh, it it would have easily been number one for last year, the year before. Um, just an incredible movie. This is my yeah, and I, I agree. We'll we'll maybe have a more uh, of a detailed conversation about it in a bit. But this is my favorite Sean Baker film. Oh, I don't know if far, that's a hot by take far, because by far my favorite. Okay, yeah, because I, I and again because you know the Florida Project is a really beautiful movie, and I think I know I've seen a lot of people who still say that's their favorite. But I mean, I think this film felt a little more like like special. If that makes sense, like it just felt like it was biting off something a little more ambitious. Dude, it's incredible. The more I think about it, the more I love it, and. The more I can't stop thinking about Simon Rex's his performance, like I cannot get over how fucking incredible he is in this movie. Oh, like it is. Oh yeah, so good. good. It is so good for a guy that's been in like three scary movies. No notable <laughs> movie. No notable movies at all. And and I I'd be remiss if we didn't mention also Brie Elrod's really yeah. great. Susanna Son, who plays Strawberry, she's fantastic as well. So good. Yeah. Um, all the acting and the score is great. Beautiful movie. So good. Yeah, so I'll just go ahead and say that, like, my number two, I've been thinking about it a lot. And, like, 
Same. And like I've been kind of between a couple films, and this is one from a visionary director um, that has proved himself, you know, over the years. Uh, and I think we all know who I'm thinking of. Of course, it's Sam Levinson in the movies Malcolm and Marie. Uh, <laughs> alas, <laughs> it, it, one it more snap every time. I'm not I, I wonder who yeah. it is, and I wonder if he's gonna do it. And oh, it. Yeah. I wasn't thinking of. Yeah. I gotta say, yeah. you get me every time. The last visionary director is none other than Paul Thomas Anderson, and the movie is Licorice Pizza. Um, what can I say about this movie? And of, of course, like maybe I think I should start with ending the discussion on Red Rocket, and then we can all talk about Licorice Pizza. That might be a better way to do it, right? So I'll just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, yeah. so yeah, give us your give us your your fun fact on uh, yeah. Red Rocket, and then. Um, and we'll finish yeah, up yeah, discussion we'll there, there and then go yeah. to Licorice. Yeah. So with Red Rocket, um, what can I say? I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love this movie. It's another movie that, um, like Titan, I think that you hit start and the movie is just on. It's just on until the very end. And it captivated my attention throughout. Um, something that was crazy, though, about the casting is outside of Brie Elrod, and I think Susanna... I forget her last name. Susanna yeah, Sun. Yeah, Susanna Sun. Everyone else, Sean Baker, pretty much spotted outside of gas stations and telephone booths in the city. So, like, his friend, the Stolen Valor guy, and, like, just random people. They're all just completely random people, um, which is why Sean Baker, I think, is credited of two people <laughs> as a part of the casting. And I was mentioning this to Corey yesterday, but I really respect that because... The only example I can think of it is like how like hip hop producers and I guess other music producers sort of sample sounds in different environments and put that into their songs. I think Sean Baker does that with people in that he sort of samples people to create this like textured environment, both sonically and visually in their movies um, to make this really cool product of like really nailing uh, naturalistic American naturalistic um sort of settings these atrophied spaces that we that hit a lot of his stories take place in i'm just blown away by how well he's able to sort of nail that it, i i mean like it's been called social realism but i would liken it to like impression like laser point he's so good at just getting how people are like like the people outside of gas stations that you drive by and you're just like huh i wonder what what that guy's up to and then maybe you might have a couple lines of conversation John Baker is so interested in that. And, you know, a lot has been hurled at him um, over the past couple months. I was going to say, that was a very loving and moving tribute yeah, to the guy sure. who, uh, again, might might be... We, we, we mentioned earlier in the episode that this was not the end of the QAnon oh, references. Yeah. And uh, I have no idea if Sean Baker's I, actually a QAnon supporter like, or not. It's just but, shocking but we to do me know. that. Yeah, it's it, shocking it to makes me no that sense. he could be a conservative. See, like, it makes no sense to I, me. I, yeah. I will say, in like, as, as a part of us talking negatively about Sean Baker for a moment, <laughs> um, I saw a hilarious letterbox one-and-a-half-star review of Red Rocket today that called him Art House Mari Povich, which I thought was really funny. Oh, just shut the fuck up. No, fuck that. really annoying guy that I follow, but um, no, just shut. Yeah, I know. Holy, I I really don't see it that way at all because it's like I don't think that's what he's doing. I think that he really has an eye for just capturing like dialogue and, but also just seeing humor in places and people and in people existing how they are. Um in situations that i think 
is just so hard to come by. Like, there's this shot in Red Rocket when <laughs> it's such a beautiful shot. I mentioned this also yesterday when Simon Rex's character, Mikey Saber, is just sitting down. There's like this boat passing by, a bunch of seagulls are behind him, and it's like a shot of him there. It's like so serene. And what he's saying is like, dude, I was fucking her and you had her finger in her mouth. And like, it's just the most, yeah. it's just the most <laughs> grotesque rough thing and it's in such contrast with like the gentleness of like the image that that you're seeing on the screen that i think is just it's so profound in ways that i can only begin to form words but like man did i love this movie. but it what was, a compassionate movie well, like i guess like yeah. separating the art from the artist like i just i found it to be like such like almost like an understatedly like sensitive movie even though simon rex is so like braggadocious and just such a fucking (laughs) like believe it or not this is a romance movie for the majority of it it's a romance it's 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 romantic in a let's be honest like a very (laughs) messed up and morally error yeah i mean i mean we'll get into we'll get into liquor's pizza in a sec but liquor's pizza is getting all the flack for when this is way worse (laughs) yeah for like a like a inappropriate relationship yeah it's way worse than red rocket and i guess the difference to an extent is that i think it is pretty clear in red rocket that we're not supposed to be on uh, his side support the right yeah. but to be honest like i think that's um it's both like a, a, a testament to sean baker but maybe it, i could see why someone might, might view it as a uh a, you know, a, a potential pitfall of yeah. the film is that like honestly like i as this movie goes on like i'll admit it, like i did sort of grow to like mikey saber and I did sort of grow to, you know, appreciate this, the relationship between him and Strawberry, even though it is clearly inappropriate, even though it is clearly, uh, you know, manipulative, even though he's clearly a piece of shit. I know you, you sort of you're infatuated with him in the way that I think you kind of are with like a Howard Ratner and Uncut Gems. Uh, um, my number two, also, about, just I don't know if Sam and Samir have seen it. But my number two is Night- Nightmare Alley. I um, I, nope. I, I watched it a couple weeks ago, and it, it's one of those ones where I was watching. It's just like Guillermo del Toro has such a talent for making things so unsettling, yet character-driven at the same time um, that I it, it just kind of baffles my mind. But the movie has amazing performances and probably my favorite ending um in any movie that i've seen this year uh i really enjoyed the bradley cooper's character arc thought kate blanchett was awesome in it Wilm the foe is great um yeah just a solid movie it's it's creepy but also acts as a really cool character study uh about the subconscious and yeah yeah, i i i really really liked it and something that i feel like in terms of horror movies other than like ari aster in terms like midsummer and hereditary a lot of horror directors or filmmakers nowadays really just go for the jump scare and or shock value whereas guillermo del toro just has this talent of letting these unsettling themes like marinate in the viewer's mind and the entire time i was like watching it i was you completely understand bradley cooper's character and he's kind of he's a turd especially by the end of the movie but 
at the same time, you're like, I really feel for this guy. Uh, Corey, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. No, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that it, it uh, made your top five. I really wanted it to be a part of tonight's episode. Um, like, I, I had this number six on my list. Like, I was really, really close to including it. Uh, and it's such a shame that I had to release against No Way Home because I actually think mm-hmm. it has all the ingredients of a film that would do pretty well. Um, but I'm, I, I think it's the kind of movie that people... Um, this isn't my idea. I think I forgot who I saw someone else tweet this, but it's the kind of movie that people are going to rediscover a few years from now. Yeah. Like as it, you know, like you know those movies that just people didn't see at the time, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, "Oh, have you guys seen?" You know, some t- some kid on TikTok mm-hmm. is going to be like, "You ever heard of this movie, Nightmare yeah. Alley?" But like, I'm all for it. Like, I hope people do discover it because um, I think it's really, really, really good. It is a remake. I haven't seen the original from the the 40s or whatever it is, but um, I'm, I'm curious to see it. I agree. Bradley Cooper is fantastic in this. I think I've. I've spoken ill of him in wow. the past on, on apologize yeah, to like Bradley I, Cooper right now. I do I do have to apologize to, to Philly native Bradley Cooper. I have uh, always he's, liked you awesome know, he, he's I've always liked Bradley he's given, Cooper. Like I said, Benedict about Benedict Cumberbatch giving two of the best performances I've seen this year. Bradley Cooper is also responsible for two of the best performances I've seen this year. One is a very small role <laughs> in a film they're gonna get to rather Dude, shortly. Does he not oh care? my god. He okay. kills it, yeah. Um but he is he's so 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 good in nightmare alley that like you said dane best ending of the year i think uh and we just talked about how red rocket has a really great ending but nightmare alley has a, such a good ending that bradley cooper really really uh uh carries sort of like he, he just he gets like this it, it's chilling but it's it's like it's like a twist in a way that uh you uh know, it, it, just, it just works really 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 well um and there's one shot in this movie that's really stuck with me um and you know so this is notable in that it's Guillermo del Toro's first film to not have anything supernatural in it, right? Like, it's just, it's about, you know, a, a, a carnival, um, and so it's, it has this, like, spooky element, but there's nothing, you know, it's all, it, there's, it's all grounded in reality. There's no monster or anything in the way that, that he's, he's a director who's known for his monsters. But, you know, instead, and this sounds kind of corny, but it's true, like, like, Bradley Cooper is the sort of the monster of this film, and there's one shot where the, like, all the lighting and the 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 camera angle, everything is working in perfect unison at this moment. And it's essentially it's a it's a, it's um, a dark dark shadow is cast over Bradley Cooper's face, and his eyes are lit up like like a blue. And he looks more like a monster in that moment than like anything that Guillermo del Toro has ever put on screen. It's like really yeah, well it. done, and it's all done. It's just done through through the, like the camera. You know, it's not it's, it, yeah. does, it doesn't seem like a special effect in any way. So it's. It's really, really. I, I, I was really impressed with this movie in a way that that it exceeded my expectations. I, I honestly was. I had heard going in that it was not Caramel Toro's best. It wasn't anything too special. But I think it's right up there. As you know, as a huge fan of of, of him, um, I'm. I think it's right up there. Yeah, and I'll say this too, uh, just about his directing. There are very creepy moments. There are moments that have like some more. I guess like makeup and props that are a bit like creepy particularly the uh baby in the jar yeah such a creepy looking prop that tends um, to not be very inviting but, <laughs> babies in jars yeah no not at all but uh even the scenes where it's just dialogue between characters i he has the camera is it's kinetic the entire time it's it's always moving and the it's the dynamic of the characters and how like positions of power change. I mean, whenever certain scenes I think about are just the scenes between Clay, Clay, 
Kate Blanchett and um, Bradley Cooper, um, especially like he comes in, he's like, oh, I'm this hotshot mentalist, dude. And then she quickly overpowers him by getting into his head and the way he yeah works uh, with the camera um and just he he blocks character movement it's so cool it's it's a really really all around well done movie um i agree i and totally and it, I, no i'm sorry go ahead Dean. oh i was just gonna say and also the climax of the movie is something it's it's nothing like it's there's no spectacle to it but there's so much like thematic and story payoff in that moment um cory yeah. i'm sure you know what i'm talking about oh, yeah. but uh it's just like that really was worth the hour and a half that i just spent watching this character um develop himself into this monster um i think simir and sam you guys would both really like it that yeah i great. think you would it- yeah, and it's you know the the big complaint I've seen against it is that people think it's it's a long movie. Um, I think it's I think it's like two hours twenty minutes or something like that. But what's funny is I didn't feel the runtime at all watching it. Like you like you sort of alluded to it, Dan. Like every scene to me just had this like kineticism to it that um, I actually like like out of all the things I've seen this year, you know, I may not, may not have made my top five, but I think it was you know like you know sometimes even the best movies sometimes you kind of feel the runtime like you you sit there and you're Mm -hmm. you're for at least for a brief second you might sort of just think about like oh this movie's been going on for this long i was really really immersed in nightmare alley in a way that uh i could i could have just kept sitting there and just kind of riding with the story because i just thought it was so well uh well told there's only one other film that has done that for me this year and i think we're ready to, to reveal it we've already pretty much said it several times uh but that is of course licorice pizza and that's the same for you as well. Sam. Oh yeah, did you want me to? Yeah, I guess no, Corey I... and I we do this always, which is we loudly disagree and then we silently agree <laughs> on the most important thing, which is our favorite movie of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, what what more can I say about Licorice Pizza that hasn't already been said? I am gonna honestly like. I still think it's in the running for the best PTA movie he's ever made. I, I genuinely believe it's the it, it could possibly be the best thing he's ever made. Um, yeah, so I I'll... love Magnolia, but what he does with this, like, it, I, I, Corey, like, you can uh, agree or disagree with this, but this is the closest a movie has ever gotten to me. To, like, the, the feeling of falling in love for the first time. Like, it, like, mm-hmm. perfectly encapsulates what I felt when I was uh 18 years old and i had fallen in love for the first time the summer before i went to college i could feel like it's one of those movies where while you're watching it you can't help but like daydream about what your experience with love has been like and like the parallels between the two yeah and it does that by being messy right like i feel like yeah you know we sort of alluded to it that this film has been you know unfairly sort of like mired in controversy um, you know, not major controversy, but you know, just people ch- trying to take issue Twitter with it babies. because it depicts a relationship between a 25 year old girl and a 15 year old guy. But you, like you alluded to it, Sam, it really is just like it's it it it's so honest and real in its expression of that that feeling, and of sometimes it could be an illicit feeling, like 
you know, these these weird age differences, or it can be something like really nerve wracking. Like, there's some scenes in this movie that are so tense in a way that are like it's that kind of like you know like adolescent cringe, but it's also like it's tense in the way like PTA's more you know thriller type films have been. Like you know, it's it, it's a really unique uh, kind of tension. And I'm not sure if I'm ready yet to 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 put it above Magnolia or Punch Drunk Love, which are my two personal favorite uh, PTA films. But I do think I said this about the French Dispatch uh, uh, to someone, and I, I feel the same way about Licorice Pizza. That both those films may not be the director's best film, but it is like the it is their the most them film, yeah, yeah most essential yeah. film. Yeah, it's like the film that says the most about them as a director. Like I feel like the French Dispatch was just this like culmination of Wes Anderson's career, and Licorice Pizza is absolutely like this culmination of PTA's career. The way it's it's funny, the way that Punch Drunk Love is funny. It's tense, the way that There Will Be Blood is tense. It's like it's just like dynamic and like bold and like large in scale, the way Magnolia is, and it's and it just captures like a period and has this like it, it's just such a complete understanding of what a director. Like at his like the top of his game, it's honestly insane. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible what he achieves with this. Uh, I mean, Dane, you you have not watched this, right? This is your big omission. This is this is yeah, my big omission. This is the the one. Samir, you have it was your number two. Yes, it was. Um, opinions. I loved it. I loved it, start to finish. Um, what a joyful joyride, you know. Just every frame filled with this like rich, vibrant warmth and energy that's just extremely infectious. Cooper Hoffman gives an amazing performance. He's great. The man. entire Heim, his, yeah, his the father Heim would be very family proud. gives a great performance. Um, just the performances are great and special nod. Uh, I know. I mean, you guys will want to riff on this too, but the soundtrack. Oh my god, what so a good, soundtrack. Man. Oh, so good. so good. I've been bumping so many songs what from it all week. Like, yeah. Like, 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 I always love when it's like, because, you know, um, it's easy to, to, a lot of period pieces, I think, make the mistake of just playing the songs that we all know and recognize from an era. And that can be fun, don't get me wrong. But I love when a soundtrack is just like so fully of the era. Like you have some classics on here, like uh, like the like the David Bowie yeah, and yeah. um, like the Wings and whatnot. But like you know, there are songs on here that I've I like, I I I'd never heard of, and I was like, holy shit, that's so good. Um, and I just think like that's like that is obviously partly because we're not of that generation, but I do think that like it feels like that kind of soundtrack that was just so well thought out. Um, in a way that like you know, you know, I'm always a stickler for like playing music in movies. It's just so well like fleshed out and incorporated this is just like one of the easiest films i've ever watched like there is just yes no, there exactly. is no tug there is no friction that's not to say there's no conflict and there's no there is that like adolescent cringe thing that you're you're getting at yeah, but, no, like, but yeah but it's, there, like, it's like i said about nightmare alley it just flows over you and it's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. so it's right. it's like a fucking warm blanket it, the entire time because it's i like we haven't talked and added a lot but this is the funniest movie i've seen this year by far like this is fucking hilarious it's the funniest pta movies ever released oh yeah and and probably his most like sweet movies ever released too i mean maybe punch drunk love you could argue but like it's just it's so sweet it's so funny 
and just so fucking enjoyable from start to finish. Yeah, I think like when you said it flows over you, that's really interesting because that's exactly how I would describe it. Like if I had to describe this movie to someone that's never seen a PTA movie or doesn't have a point of reference for something like this, it would be kind of hard. But the best way I might attempt to do so would be like it's a loose love story. but It's a series of like 12 vignettes all in one like you're just watching these like short little short stories all happen that revolve around this love story of people liking each other then getting into a fight and then liking each other again and then doing that a couple times before the film sort of like dissolves and i don't mean that in a bad way but what i say is that this is a movie that i can get so much out of with every rewatch because it's like you go into it it's like you want to spend time with these characters right to steal Corey's words um but like you see that PTA doesn't just make a film, but here I think that he constructs a mini world, almost like Springfield in The Simpsons, right? Where it's like all these characters and it's this fully realized like town that you go into and like you talk to the guy with the 12 on his shirt, you go over to the waterbed uh, factory, you go over to the pinball place, you turn on the local news, you see Benny's safety yelling about the land and stuff like that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this fully realized like sort of, Who's very good yeah. in this movie? Every supporting role, but he's, he's very, very good. good. John C. Riley steals the show. You know who does steal the show? Bradley Cooper. Bradley yeah, let's, Cooper. Get in, let's get into oh Bradley Cooper. I, I will say, I, I have belly laughed at theaters maybe 10 times in my life. The way that Bradley Cooper, like, lightly, like, softly <laughs> just says, like, I love yeah. Like, with the part yeah. talking. I love tail. I love it. His tail. His tail monologue is so without fun. a doubt one of the hardest I've ever laughed. So funny. I love it it's, so much. I, I, I started <laughs> like the sheer desperation. Yeah. I started bailing. So funny. whenever like he comes back and then like those two girls are passing and he sits down at the curb and then they're passing, they're holding a tennis racket and he just goes like, "Yo, what's up? You play tennis? Like, what's gonna?" <laughs> so funny. <laughs> He's such a douche. He's so funny. Yeah. And you guys know, I didn't um I didn't know this until I, until after watching the movie, but apparently this was all based on um conversations PTA has had with a like a producer friend of his named Gary Gotsman. Oh really? Who Yeah, so this guy Gary just told him all these stories about his childhood growing up uh, you know, in the uh San Fernando the, Valley. San, San, San Fernando Valley, yeah. And um a lot of this is like if not true, at least like uh loosely inspired by this guy's childhood so like for example like you know i think one another criticism this movie is face and i do think it's the closest thing to a problem i'd have with the movie although um i still maybe think about it a little differently Chinese restaurant is uh thing yeah, yeah. is john michael higgins character who the owner of the japanese restaurant oh, but that? you know um someone uh, you did it yeah. wow so that that I'll, and that'll edited, cancel you for and edit it out <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like apparently that like that restaurant owner apparently was real. Like that guy um, was someone who like did that. Like that was a thing he did, and and like this Gary guy knew him growing up. Like that's just one example of like that kind of weird attention to detail, and then PTA's ability to capture something and make it. Like imagine being this Gary Gossman guy and seeing like essentially your childhood come to life. That would be pretty like that. Incredible. I don't know. It's it's because it's such a detailed movie. You know, like it's such a full expression of. All, and I think the Bradley Cooper stuff too. Like I forget the this guy's name, but he was like a real life uh, uh, barber for famous people. 
Or like Sean Penn. <laughs> He's in the like what? Yeah, like, oh, that part's so funny. <laughs> like yeah. there's a guy with a really smoker voice yelling in a bar. Next thing you know, we're we're outside <laughs> and Sean Penn is skipping people on like a bike or something. It's so <laughs> it's so true. It's like you're watching that scene and you're even what, you're what like, is hey, happening? What's going on? Like, because it, it's like you know, in the idea of storytelling, right? Is like, all right, we're going to the bar to do what? Like to see the the exchange between uh, Gary and Alana. Like yeah, that right. would be like what a screenwriting class would tell you. Like that's why you're going to this scene. But instead, they're like, actually, we're just here to watch this fucking dude do a motorcycle stunt outside the bar. It like, it makes no, no sense. sense. You know what I mean? But you're so along but for it, the ride the entire time. Just yeah. It's so, very few directors can get that kind of buy-in. It's just so joyful. I like, And I will say, like, I, of all the people here, probably like PTA's movies the least. And I still have this as my number one. Like, I just think mm-hmm. this is him at his absolute best. And, uh... Yeah so good man so so good yeah so yeah that's that's my number one film in a year of uh very very good films it's sam's as well uh smear dumb enough to put that <laughs> rocket at number one over it but hey i hey. honestly like i i will say like i really was struggling with that like i still on depending on the day would pick red rocket number one as well like it's yeah so i mean like i said i think this has been a really good really good year for film and I had Red Rocket down at five. Uh, I still think very highly of it. So it's just been, it's been a really, really um, great year. And so in that spirit, Dane, let us know what is your number one film space of twenty twenty one. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it's yeah, Space Jam. Man, we're really beating it. <laughs> yeah. that one. Um, That's the way. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I alluded to it, but my number one is The Green Knight. Um, one of those movies where after I, I walked out of it, I was like, that was something special. I mean, every, basically everything about it, 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 just a story of ambition and and power that is, is so well captured. And I think it does the, it does so much in so many interesting things with the uh, original uh, story of the Green Knight. Um, but just some things remembering uh, here. Like, one, the visuals are insane. Uh, the shot of him up on the on the mountain with the, the giants. So uh, fucking something cool. Something like straight from it. So cool. Like Attack that, on that's Titan. That's the poster I was that like, I have. It's a picture oh, of that. Oh, that's fucking that's, sick. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? What a, a cool, cool visual. And even though, obviously, it is a, a visual effect, there's something that's still very, very grounded and realistic about all the effects. Like they're not just in there to be like, okay, let's just throw this CGI shot in here for to make it look cool. Like the like um, the pond everything... scene. Like I, I I felt that like hard yeah. to find that in the pond scene yeah. when when it's like kind of flip, flickering lights and you don't even know what's CGI or what's just natural light reflecting yeah. on the water. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Like that's part of the reason why it's so beautiful. Is like there is kind of this like earthiness and like tactile like feel to the movie that you don't get with like a bunch of mm-hmm. epic like CGI movies. Yeah. And obviously it's not like an action film or anything like that. And it has a pretty long runtime, but like what Corey was saying about Nightmare Alley, which I felt similar about that movie, but the green Knight is one of those ones I was watching it and it 
it kind of just went by. Even the shots of him just like on the horse going through uh, the beautiful scenic environments is there's so much um, just beauty to it. The the story and the, just the climax of the movie when he, he finally I can't even re- remember what they allude to the tree dude as um, in the movie. Um, the Green Knight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys know me. I'm so I'm so bad with with no, keeping my Oops. thoughts linear. Yes, the Green Knight. Um, but when he gets to the Green Knight and then it goes into the almost like that uh, mommy type of um, like potential future oh, where it's just that, that montage shit. of him rising the power. It was very. It was just so impactful. I thought the it was a great script all around. Really liked it. I know it was on your list, Samir, too, and we kind of brushed over it. Um, what did you think about the movie? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Like, you know, just for every reason that you said. Um, just so, I just love the visual atmosphere that it creates, you know, of like some of those shots so nice. And like, one thing that I really love about the movie is the sort of perspective it has on editing. And, like, how editing can sort of put you in this hypnotic trance. Um, especially that, like, last 10-minute sequence where he's about to get his head chopped off. And then it's, like, this super rhythmic, like, back mm-hmm. and forth. You're going back and forth. You almost feel part of, like, the song the movie creates with its sort of sound and tone and color and everything like that. You're just a note and its melody. This, yeah, the score for this is really good, too. Really good. Yeah. Really, and it's really just good. so hypnotic. And it mm-hmm. has that thunderous, triumphant last 15 minutes that really bring it home great performances all around i just there's like you know you can't hate on this movie it's such a great movie yeah so no. sam are you did, was, uh, this, was this in your top five yeah, I never, it was my right? number four this is oh, this oh, is oh, the oh, only right. this is the only movie oh. that is in all of our top fives if i'm not mistaken yeah i think so but that's okay, also yeah. from the fact that dane hasn't watched red rocket or licorice pizza Remember when the trailer first dropped for Green Knight? How fucking excited we were for this! Oh movie? yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were all talking you... about how like this is going to be the best fucking movie of the year, and it's really yeah. nice to see that it completely lived up to the hype for us. I think exactly. I like it, you know that's it, a great way to put it. It delivered. I, it delivered on all fronts. It wasn't my favorite movie of the year, but how could you not fucking like this movie? I mean, there are people that don't like this movie. It has a horrible, yeah, my, oh, a terrible. My mom hated this. Yeah, movie. I know a bunch of people that just well, did I, not, who just watched, thought they were gonna watch Lord of the Rings five, right? Yeah, yeah. but You're right, Sam. If you go back and check the tape, I think you could hear several episodes of this very podcast in which we were like, "Yo, I can't wait for that <laughs> Like, do you guys yeah, see the latest trailer? Yeah, yeah, and at least Samir. I think Samir, Samir was, was like super was on bright. it. Yeah, yeah, Boy, yeah. Probably. And it it was great, yeah. man. It was what? it was exactly what I wanted. Like, it was just it's really really good. Uh, any final thoughts on the films from from 2021? Like, did, Sam, do you feel differently about the year having now kind of reflected a little well, more? Well, I guess there's just a good amount of films I haven't watched yet that you guys are all really high on that will probably sway me into thinking it was a better year than it was. So, yeah, I would say in general, I mean, it, it was a good year. I wouldn't say it was a bad year. I, I came out with that, like, inflammatory 2015 take. It was better than 2018 for movies. It was better than 2020. Um, yeah it it was a good year and i think and i think the top so, five i'm glad we just kept it to that because i think all of us had very solid movies throughout for sure throughout yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah 
Sam, you also have to throw the Matrix on your list. Yeah, dude, because, I gotta watch it. I, you just, you just, ha- you just have yeah, to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know, I per- all the movies. Well, not all the movies. There were a lot of great movies that I saw this year. Um, and I know I have um at least five on my watch list that I need to see that you guys have all praised. So that's only gonna make me like this year even more. But yeah, I. I agree with with Corey. At the beginning, I was like, after such a dud of a year with all the, the streaming service debate and straight to straight to home video or home home release, and I was just like, oh man, maybe we are heading in a very bad direction. But I I was genuinely surprised, and a lot of movies that I did really enjoy, I did get to see in a theater. So yeah, yeah. Hey, you just. You just hit my exact feeling on the head, Dane. Like, I honestly have felt pretty pessimistic about uh, like film throughout the year, just in terms of following the news, you know, and just like reading about developments mm-hmm. within the industry. But I don't know, like I watched a movie like Licorice Pizza or, or Red Rocket or The Green Knight, um, and it literally like restores my faith in in film. So like, I, that's exactly what I felt after leaving Licorice Pizza. I was like, as long as there are directors like PTA around, as long as people are making good movies. The rest will figure itself out. Like I, we, I stress about the everything fucking releasing on Netflix and whatnot. But I mean, all we need are good movies, and then, and then the rest will will follow. And I, it seems like we'll always at least have those. For everyone, it's all film and games. Uh, we thank you for listening uh, to what I presume will be a pretty long episode, even after some editing. I'm editing this um, shit down. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, for sticking with us uh, after several months off. We do hope to deliver in some capacity in the months ahead. Don't hold us to it because you know uh, I I'm Corey will n- notoriously you. unreliable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, seriously, thanks for listening. I'm Corey. Alongside me is Sam, Smear, and Dane. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks. <laughs>